It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Leverage Masters. I am your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, and along with my co-host and all-around partner in crime, Jack Humphrey, we are the co-founders of TheLeveragists.com and Divizio.com, the all-new affiliate network for folks doing good. We have got a fantastic show lined up for you guys today with a fellow Floridian and good friend. Jack, why don't you tell them a little bit about who our guest is today. All right. We have Larry Jenkin on today. Thank you for being here. Larry uh, is declared, was declared a great marketing mind by business legend Robert Allen and has captured the respect of billionaire CEOs, best-selling authors, and marketing gurus. Larry is the founder and CEO of, of Eleven Media, the creator of amazing Mag Titan digital publishing software and digital direct lead generation technology. He's personally launched 26 magazines in over 10 industries and worked with over 100 media companies, including USA Today, Forbes, Time, Newsweek, Inc., and Fortune. He is today recognized as one of the world's foremost experts on digital media. Larry, thanks for being on Leverage Masters. Hey, Jack, Gina, it's great to be with both of you. And, Jack, you are going to love the conversation you are about to have with Larry. I have had an opportunity to check out both MagTitan and DigitalDirectLeads.com. Larry has personally given me a tour, and I'm actually using the platforms for a couple of projects that I'm working on, including the big one within the Philippines, you got to pick his brain about those things and how they can help entrepreneurs because they are pretty remarkable, Jack. Well, let's start out with a little bit of background. How uh, do you prefer to introduce all of this, uh, Larry? Tell people a little bit more about Mag Titan and uh, and everything that you're, you've got going on. Well, geez, now you know now Gina sets it up. Like now, I have to overcome that introduction with some really great information for your guests. So thanks, Gina. Um, it's, 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 uh, I I guess the way to kind of start this, and I think it's really key to have a business conversation about this, but as way of introduction, I, if people ask me what I did or what I do, I would say I'm a publisher. I published magazines. I started in ad sales, but what happened is the market of print publishing changed and it went to digital and 
at you know back about five, six, seven years ago, we saw this happening, and we figured, you know, let's try to be the leader in digital publishing. And at that point in time, and actually still today, most of the software for digital publishing is this PDF page flipper kind of stuff. And the big problem with that is most of the reading, or more, let's say this, more than half of the reading of digital content happens on smartphones. And if you're using a PDF page flipper, that requires the reader to zoom or pinch or squint in order to read that content, and nobody's going to do that for very long. So I got the brilliant idea that, you know, as a publisher, I could build my own software that would be better. Well, you know, I thought that this was going to be a three, four, five-month project. It ended up taking us three Mm -hmm. and a half years. And it was, uh, you know, a lot more than we thought we were getting into. But the end result of that was we came up with this software called MagTitan. And it is truly an amazing reading experience. It's completely animated. It has everything from video to being able to accept credit card orders right within the pages of the publication. And, And best of all, we don't even have a Zoom button. The, uh, the software dynamically m- manipulates the pages so that whatever somebody is reading, it looks appropriate for that device, whether it's the smallest smartphone or the largest, you know, monitor that's out there. And uh, so we did that, and, and that software is great. And we should talk a little bit about why every business would be served well to actually be a publisher, too. Um, and I feel really strongly and have a lot of evidence how this kind of approach where it, it, a, a business can actually be a content company, it leads to sales better than the traditional kinds of marketing. So that's one thing. But the other thing that we have that we should also probably touch on in our conversation today is um, digital direct. And what we did was we built a technology that allows us to drive traffic to our clients' uh, magazines or lead generation using social media and using Google. Because, you know, we have this great MagTitan software, but you know what? If nobody reads your content, it's not going to do you any good. So we found a way to be able to tap into a a database of over 1 billion opt-in emails and target that big list to, you know, very hyper-targeted smaller list based on how people organize themselves on social media. So, for example, let's say, Gina, you wanted to um, do some market. I'll give you a a real-world example. Andrea Bocelli, the, the famous Italian opera singer, wanted to be able to sell concert tickets. Well, if he wanted to sell concert tickets in new cities that he had never been to before, he can't go to an email list broker and say, give me people who like Andrea Bocelli or give me people who like opera because it's not a demographic that they track. Well, you know what? We could go to Andrea Bocelli's Facebook page, and there are over 4 million people there. We can actually tap into the API and match those people against our database. Now, we won't have matches for everyone, but in about 65% of the cases, we'll not only know who those people are, but we'll have an opt-in where we can, on behalf of our clients, 
send emails that are totally spam compliant. So you can get a very, very targeted group. You put those two technologies together, you can now take content and distribute it digitally and distribute it to a very large targeted audience to generate leads and sales. And that's, that's kind of the things that are on the cutting edge that, we're, that we've been working on. You chose something pretty hard. It's a, the, the, <laughs> the publish. I mean, you didn't go for something super easy like a game app or anything. This is, uh, this is in this, um, global level stuff because, I mean, it has to be hard because everybody's still sharing PDFs. And everything right. in the world has changed except for PDF. Like, literally, there's not a single thing I can think of in the digital world that has not changed significantly over the last 10 years except for PDF. Is there it's anything? True. I don't think there is. It, 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 <laughs> it's so true. And you think about and you ask the reason why. Why do publishers still use PDFs? Why do these – I mean, publishers, I mean, they may be declining, but you're still talking companies that are doing tens or hundreds of million dollars in sales. So why do they still use the PDF? And the reason is – because it is simple and fast and inexpensive for them. They design their print publications using software like InDesign from Adobe, and literally all they need to do is push a button and goes, and next thing you know, you have an 80-page PDF. That, that's their digital issue. It doesn't take any redesigning or anything like that. So it's simple, and the reality of the business model is they're giving away their digital ads for free, right? So they're not making any incremental dollars. They say to their, in the, in the publishing world, they say, ah, if you advertise with us in our print magazine, we'll give you your digital ad for free. So it's not a revenue generator, which is a big part of the economic problem that print publishers are having. And so, yeah, you know, it's, a, it's an afterthought. But what they should be thinking of, now I have a, a dog in this fight, but what they should be saying is, look, advertising dollars and readership are all going digital. How do we make it so that digital could be a new profit center? And that's where, you know, if they came to that conclusion and said we need to innovate and then they could use a software like MagTitan where literally the advertisers, instead of having a fractional or even a full page ad, we give advertisers a feature called infinite pages where they can literally have an infinite number of pages in their ad and they're all interactive. And basically, you know, uh, I can paint a picture of a BMW ad, right? When the BMW ad appears, it has a car driving, so it's an autoplay video, no sound, but then it has three buttons on there, and it says, do you want an SUV, sedan, or coupe? Well, whatever one you pick, the page refreshes. It's still that same ad page, and now it says, ah, you picked SUVs. Well, what's your price range? And it gives three different price ranges. Then they pick that. It says, okay, you want an SUV in this price range. Here are the 18 models that we have. Go take a test drive of one. And then when somebody picks that, it takes them to a video uh, and all the features and, and benefits of that particular model. So it's a much better um, solution for an advertiser but you know what? It requires the advertiser to do a little more work. It requires the publisher to do a little bit more work. And that's why print publishing is dying because most companies don't have either the stomach to innovate like that or they don't have the, the, you know, the wherewithal to be able to, to do it. And you know, that's why there's a huge opportunity for people to come into the publishing world and innovate 
And I think the leaders of publishing moving forward are not going to be the times in the USA Todays of the world. It's going to be somebody today who's probably in their own garage who decides I want to, you know, do something better than the publishers in a market that I'm familiar with, and then they go and innovate. Yeah. Well, there's lots and lots of discussions going on in the last at least five or seven years about print and print media. And, you know, today I'm going to say who gives a crap about them. It's it's long past the time they should have made a decision. You know, when you were talking about uh, – what it can do within your program. You sounded exactly like the guy long, long, long ago who first told the world what hypertext markup language was all about. And you'd go to this <laughs> web page and you'd click on a link and it would take you to a whole new page. I mean, we shouldn't have to be talking like this at a third grade level to the I world. Know. And the thing is, we're not. Not the people on this show. The people on this show are really savvy. You're right. It's going to be the cutting edge. It's going to be the innovators working in their garages, like you said. Uh, it, you know, and so let's, let's just point it all at that and screw the publishing world because, I mean, the traditional publishing world, you might – I don't want you to say that. I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I'm tired of having that discussion. If they haven't learned by now, they're dinosaurs. I don't know what's propping them up at this point, but it can't be anything like good business and tons of profits because that's just not there. And I don't know. I think they're just too big to succeed, uh, if that's well, a, even I think a phrase. Right. I, but, think what, I, think, I think what happens is you get to the point where you can cut staff and cut expenses, and you can you – can, basically, I had a, an insider friend who talked about one of the biggest companies, the biggest publishing companies in the world. I won't name the name. But he had gotten laid off, and he said to me, all they are doing now – is managing the rate of decline. And meaning that if they were planning on declining yeah. 22% this year, try to make it 17%, you know, try to slow the rate of decline. Wow. And that's, that's what they're doing. Yeah. And wow. So, but the thing is, like with a lot of industries, so maybe let's, let's go to bat for how everything has come to this point a little bit. Most of the time when innovation happens, the big guys always wait to see that it passes a critical mass. Have they been able to see that? Has anybody been able to prove a model outside of the PDF, digital advertising, traditional stuff? Has anybody, I mean, I don't think they have, but you're closer to this problem. At least the word of that solution has not reached our ears out in lay people land yet. What are you seeing? Yeah. Where, where is that critical mass going to happen? Because those guys always follow this stuff, right? And nobody's been able to, at least until now, make a breakthrough enough that would push those guys off their rock. And that makes me think we're all still trying to figure this out. Yeah, and, and where you see this, like if, if people were to go to magtitan.com and look at the samples that are up on that page, You'll see B2B publishers. What, what most people think of the magazine business, they think of, you know, uh, Shape Magazine, Sports Illustrated, Oprah's Magazine, yeah. right? And these handful of consumer magazines. And if you go to your grocery store and you look at the newsstand aisle, it's, it's shrunk, right? If you go back and think of what it was 10 years ago and you compare it to today, there's a handful of titles. But there are literally – six figures of B2B titles on everything from insurance to plastics to, you know, hog farming. 
And that's where most of the publications uh, are. And what we see is that there are pockets of innovation from people who are using our technology and they're going into their marketplace and they're winning. But it's not mainstream. Nobody would know what these people are doing. Um, But I think that there will hit a tipping point. And I think that, you know, the, the first part of the tipping point that I see is that within the next five years, you are going to see, you already see it. If you read the industry trades, you're going to see print publishers closing shop. They're not even going to sell. They're going to just close down publications. They'll cut back the frequency of publications. They'll cut back the folio size of publications. And within five years, you're going to see a fraction of the publishers in business today, print publishers, um, that you do. And the people who are listening, if you want to find an area of opportunity, it is digital publishing because literally if you – and this is what I do with clients and and understand, again, I I have a vested interest in this, but literally – I can help somebody incubate their own industry magazine for, let's call it, I could get you a 10,000 circulation publication for less than $1,000. You could have the best technology publishing your content. You could have 10,000 subscribers reading your publication. And then all you have to do is go out and sell a few ads. And if you're making more than a, a thousand bucks, Uh, which you should be for a 10,000 circulation publication, you will have an annuity every month you publish, you'll be making money and money and money. And that is the the model. But, but it's beyond that guys, because yes, publishing is one thing, but I think that when you use a content marketing approach, let's, let's, you know, really get at the heart why people care about publications. It's because people want content that is going to be interesting or improve their lives. And I don't care whether that, content that's interesting and improves their lives is pictures of girls in bikinis or it's information about how to uh, uh, do digital marketing. It, it doesn't matter whatever that content is, but people want to read content that helps them and that if you take a content marketing approach and can get your content out to a critical mass of people, then you're going to get people to read your marketing message and a subset of them will become prospects. And, and eventually a subset of those will become sales. It is a methodology that will work for any business, maybe outside of the paperclip industry, where I don't know the content that you could have that would be really interesting if you're selling paperclips. But for 99% of all industries, this approach, a publishing approach, could work for businesses and marketing. What's the magic of the word magazine, do you think, in our culture that – gets people to understand, maybe, I don't know, This it, it makes me understand more about what you're talking about just with that one word than website does, than a blog does. There's something about the word magazine that just, because, you know, technically, okay, if you deliver this article or set of articles and all the content that would be going into a magazine on a, on a website, What's the difference? Tell, tell people a little bit about what the, the container, what this, this package or the bow that you wrap around your content uh, in this particular medium, how that makes a difference to them. Because most of the people who listen to, well, everybody pretty much who listen to the show are uh, website owners. They, they know websites. They know social media. They're publishing. They consider themselves digital publishers. But yeah. you're talking about something different. And there is magic in that word for some reason. 
There is, and I think that it comes back, comes from our perception that is basically 30 years ago. If you think about um, what is rare, what is hard, right? I'll take it a step further from magazines, but books, right? If you published a book 20 years ago, you all of a sudden reached the pinnacle of our society in the fact that you had something in your brain that other people deemed worthy enough to put on paper and that another group of people deemed worthy enough to spend money for, right? So you were elevated because back then not everybody could do it. Well, a magazine is just the same thing. It was expensive and hard to put stories on paper and distribute them out to the world through whether it's a, a newsstand or just, you know, mailing them. But it's all changed, right? Anybody can set up a website, and so it doesn't have that cachet. Well, the reality of it is now anybody can produce a magazine. A magazine is nothing more than a collection of stories. That is all that it is, right? So what we show people how to do is take a couple stories, write a story a week, and you publish it. At the end of the month, you can have a mini magazine. Maybe it's not a 20-story magazine, but it could be a four-story magazine, that is a collection of stories that for a target market can really serve a purpose. And it has that cachet because you're right. It does have um, a perception that elevates it above, oh, I have a website. And if you put content on a website, as opposed to putting content in a magazine, I can promise you the content that's in the magazine, if you just put up on your website an opt-in form, subscribe to this magazine for free or read this content for free that's on our website, you will get exponentially more people who want to subscribe to the magazine just because of the perception. Yeah. I thought it was really funny. I just saw an ad. I keep seeing an ad on Facebook for, um, I don't think I'll, ma- I'll mention their name, but they're a network uh, and they're, they're basically making – bulletin boards and forums famous again with modern technology. It's at least what they're trying okay. to do. And they're saying, they're saying blogging is dead. That's their ad. And uh-huh. I always love it when anybody declares anything dead in that fashion because I'm like, oh, here it comes. Let's tell me what's alive. Tell me what's alive now. Yeah. I bet you have a solution, <laughs> don't you? And exactly. they do. And they're like, you know, you're going to work really hard. You're going to have all this. And it's just lower and lower returns. And ironically, the ad goes to a blog post. I thought that was freaking hilarious. This is not some mom and pop, by the way. This is actually something that's got – this is actually a, a business that's got some backing and, and things. It's not a fly-by-night. And the comments on this ad, I don't know why they keep running the ad. I would have killed it by now because the comments are from a populace that is much more savvy than it ever has been in terms of what – publishing is all about, what what blogging is all about, what magazines and all that kind of stuff. Everybody's just got an elevated view of of everything because information has been free for such a long time. People have learned, even inadvertently learned, so much more than they would in the old world where information traveled like a snail. And it yep. was not free. And, and people hoarded information and they kept it and charged for it or just didn't give you access to it. The Internet's mm-hmm. been out there for a while, and people are just generally smarter about this stuff. And I'm like, wait a minute. If blogging is dead and blogging is just a package, it's a container for content. Correct. And you Correct. say you have another container for content, 
I'm thinking to this network, and a lot of people are saying it in the comments, then, and, and you're writing about it on social media and all these things, not addressing what you guys are addressing, which is that's fine to put it in whatever container you want, but if, but if you don't know how to market it and you have no outlet for it, then what the hell is it for? And they don't address that in that ad, so everybody's just ripping them apart. And I'm like, this. I come back to it. I've saved the ad because it just is just now little miniature discussion forum, and I'm not finding anybody coming to bat for them. I'm finding a lot of people who are like, this is just dumb, and I'll tell you why. And that's the other thing about people is they can speak up now and like they can comment on everything everywhere. <laughs> so yeah, you know, yeah. I think the, the magazine thing gives people a quiet anymore. place, right? Yeah, and and so how does that work in 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 your technology? How do you um, how do you get that engagement? How do you get that kind of user feedback, reader feedback, and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, that that still isn't there. We could have enabled a feature um, that would allow commenting. There's you know a, a bunch of plugins, or we could have developed our own. The interesting part about that is publishers didn't want that, right? Because if you if you think about who our initial clients were, it was, you know, industry publications, print publications. If there's something mm-hmm. bad about an article, those publishers don't want that out there. So they didn't like the comment feature, um, which is very ironic, um, uh, you know, and, and very telling about how insular they are. Um, right. But, yeah, I mean, you can well, have kind of like I the old the, model. It's the old world, right, creeping into yeah. the modern world that they don't even realize what their true resistance to it is. They probably don't put words to it other than what you mentioned. Probably only goes that deep. And then the rest of it is just kind of lizard brain reaction stuff. Like, well, no. What if everybody could color in the margins of all of our magazines and write with a red pen, point out our grammatical mistakes and everything else, which is one of the biggest uses of social media these days. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, look, I think that, the technology is continuing apace. There, there are industry, there, there's a tsunami that's going on in media. And, uh, you know, just like happened, you know, when the, the mainframe computer industry went to the PC marketplace or just like you see from the, the blockbuster video days, you know, giving way to Netflix because they had the same content, just a different vehicle, uh, and, and a different pricing model that, you know, that's things change. And I don't think you can put the genie back in the bottle, but what the, you know, when you talk about this show, right, it's, it's all about leverage, right? So how do you leverage what's out there now in a jujitsu move to make money and profit for yourself and do good in the world? And the cool thing is the technology, the, the pricing of this stuff is, 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 is a pittance compared to all that you can generate from it. And it just takes somebody with enough, you know, initiative to, you know, to go and do it in their particular segment of the world. You know, it used to be about big audiences. The, the, the main publishing industry was predicated on we have a magazine about BMWs. And at one point there was only one of those. And then at another mm-hmm. point, there were two or three, and still massive, massive market. The you know big stuff, people, time, all of the you know all of the uh, sports illustrated style magazines. Yeah, yeah. And those commanded really huge audiences. So when you told one of those publishers, 
everything is going micro-niched. Everything's going to be much more hardcore in a very specific area within people who like Sports Illustrated in general. Then the advertisers didn't know what to do as well as the publishers, right? Because the advertisers are like, wait, I need, a, I need an audience. I need an audience of about 4.5 million. And you're telling me I've got to pay, I, I, you know. <laughs> so everybody's had to catch up. The advertising uh, people were, were just as befuddled, I would imagine, by everything becoming much, much more niched. And then we had to sell them on the idea that we've done all this really hard work for you. We've grown an audience that is absolutely these five things and nothing else. They like this, this, and this, and that's it. We've done right. – we've, we've gotten rid of all the, the, the chaff for you, and therefore they would go, all right, well, let me try. And certainly their advertising dollars returned a ROI that had never been achieved before because they're going that's directly right. to people about, you know, it took a while to get people to understand that, right? Or maybe they were yeah, still trying to get it, people to understand it, that. It's still go- well, I'll give, you, I'll give you an example of this, right? So – we have this service uh, that we mentioned at the top of the show called Digital Direct Leads, right? It's at digitaldirectleads.com. And what we can mm-hmm. do is we can build databases in two ways, right? One is you pick a social media page, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest. You pick a page, and we can build a database from that, okay? Now, some people say, well, I need – uh, all these people, I need a huge, huge list, right? And the reality of this, let's say, for example, uh, I have a client who does uh, background checks for car dealerships, okay? That's what they do. Now, what they want to say out there in the world to their clients is, buy our background checks, buy our background checks. Oh, by the way, buy our background checks. Now, there's a problem with that, right? Because Nobody, even if you are a GM of a car dealership, you maybe want to hear that message once, maybe twice, but you don't want to hear it beyond that, right? So saying that message over and over again won't work, right? But what will work is if you can get a list, maybe there are 3,000 general managers of car dealerships in the U.S. They don't need 20,000, but if you could take those 3,000 and you send them uh, uh, a story that is about are you hiring a criminal and what's the liability of hiring somebody who had a DUI and now they're taking your clients for test drives, right, and give examples of that. Well, two things happen. One is those general managers who get that publication, that story, are like, holy crap, this is for me. I need to read this right now. So they get engaged mm-hmm. in the form of readership. But the other thing that happens now is when you take a publishing model and put an ad inside that story, just like publishers do, oh, by the way, now there's a service that's background checks for car dealerships, and it just happens to appear while within a story that these people are reading. The results that you get are so much better than having a general communication go out to a much larger audience that just, you know – it just doesn't, it doesn't work anywhere near as well as very, very focused content to a very focused audience, and that works like a charm. Do you marry up? Because our listeners are spoiled brats, right? We, we 
we are people who know how to go and get to the exact people we want, and we don't have to pay for or look at giant unorganized lists of discategorized people. We want we got Facebook ads, we've got uh, AdWords, we've got all kinds of ways to drill down to our exact audience, which is everybody has been trained. That's what you want in the modern age. Yep. <laughs> yep. Are there places yep. that are, are there places that our people can go to look through? publications like this to decide whether or not they want to be advertisers in those? Well, not advertisers. Here's the, here's the jujitsu move, right? Don't be an advertiser. An advertiser, okay? You know, I, I actually once uh, a few years back published a magazine with Kevin Harrington, who many people know he was one of the original sharks on the TV show mm-hmm. Shark Tank. And Kevin made all of his money um, as the infomercial king. He was... Uh, you know, buying up cable time in the 80s for pennies on the, on, on the dollar in the middle of the night and running, you know, gin, literally the Ginsu Knives commercial and all of that. Okay. Well, if you take um, somebody like Kevin Harrington, okay, who has spent millions and millions and millions of dollars on advertising. Kevin told me one time when we were playing uh, me, you know, I'm not so good looking that if I stopped paying my bill for the advertising, that they'd still keep running my ads. And I laughed at him, but then it made a really good point, right? He is renting the media. If you have people who are listening on this, what publications can I advertise in? Sure. You can, there's lots of publications out there that you can advertise in, but you're paying every time. You stop paying, you don't get it. The better way to approach it is to own the media. Don't rent the media. And what I mean by that is figure out who your target audience is, okay? So your target audience is Bitcoin investors. Your target audience is uh, student nurses. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are. These are actually real examples that I, that I have. Well, if that's your target audience, start putting out content that is relevant to those. Create your own publishing brand, and this is what we do for our clients. So, uh, for example, let's take the student nursing example. You're trying to reach student nurses. Great. We create for our client a brand called the uh, Nursing Student Survival. Uh, I think it's called Nursing Survival Guide, something like that, right? And every week we put out stories about how to handle your clinical this week, uh, how to study tips, how to pass the NCLEX, which is the certification, all this content that only student nurses care about, right? Well, what happens? You now send out that content, which they already had, but it's easy to find free content that you can use that's very high quality. Now they start sending that out. When people click on their ads because of the technology that we have, we know who clicked on the ad. We send them that contact information. So now a different funnel can be uh, sent, you know, how to pass the NCLEX exam. Would you be interested in our uh, NCLEX study guide? Boom. So now you're hitting people as the publisher. It doesn't cost you anything other than the cost of putting together the content and distributing the database, which we're talking is far, far exponentially less expensive than uh, advertising. So you want to own the media, not rent it through ads, is my advice. It, it, uh, it, you still need a guide. I think probably for a while we're going to need somebody like you talking to 
someone and taking them through the possibilities because it was a lot simpler. There's no doubt about the fact that we have advertising space. You can get a full page, half page, quarter page, back front, whatever. And later people started to understand advertise, like uh, what do they call the content that's actually an advertisement, but it's content. It used to be called advertorial. Now, now, now the buzzword is native advertising, but it's the same thing. Native. Yeah. 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 So that was still, you know, that was a little more advanced, but still simple. We have to do content now. We can't just put a pretty picture up there with somebody drinking out of our cup or whatever. But, you know, but this is a little bit different because when you described how it works in in your system, people have to really think about that. It is more involved. But But I think what people might forget when they look at that and they go, oh, this is just is that there's going to be better results with that always. There's never going to – I mean, if they have a guide, if they have somebody who can take them through campaigns that other people have poured their sweat and money and resources into to test and tweak and and check out the ROI, then now you can cheat off of that. Well, you need somebody who knows that information, right? Like, how did that work and what are our possibilities? So listen to this, right? So, and, and this is, everybody take this with a grain of salt because I will make money if you guys work with us. But to your exact point, Jack, so if, if, if everybody goes to digitaldirectleads.com and goes to our rate card, let me tell you something that's transformational, okay? So imagine this, Jack. Suppose you wanted to start a publication. What would be a decent circulation that you would be happy with? And let's imagine you're not trying to do Sports Illustrated for every sports fan. Let's, let's imagine it's a niche. Give me a, a circulation of your publication that you'd be excited to have. I think fifty to 100000 would be stupendous if it was as targeted okay. as we talked about earlier. Okay. So let's look at how this has all changed. And so first off, the, the guide of teaching somebody is baked into our system. We build the publishing brand for our clients because the reality is I want people to rent my scars. You know, I've made so many mistakes in publishing magazines. I, they don't need to go through that learning curve. So we have that baked into our system. So literally, imagine this, okay? If they were trying to build their 50,000 database through Google Ads, through Facebook Ads, okay, and we actually have a little widget on our site. If they go to the search leads, it shows that if you search – what's your magazine on, Jack? Pick a topic. Search engine optimization. Okay. SEO. So I'm going to go in there. Let's do this really – we're going to do a real-world example. So if they go to the search leads portion of our, um, of our site, I'm going to just type in SEO, okay? And what I can tell you right now is that – Google has an average monthly search volume in just the U.S. of 110,000 searches per month on the term SEO. And, oh, by the way, the average cost per click for the word SEO, the keyword SEO, is $15.02, okay? Yep. (laughs) So every click is cost. That's not a lead. You don't know who that contact is. That means they they come to your webpage, right? So – Let's imagine that you do really, really well and you have a 50% opt-in rate, okay, which most people won't. So that means that your cost per contact is going to be $30.04. Now you want to build a 50,000-person 50 per, 50, database, all right, 
So let's just do, I'll take out my handy calculator right now, and we'll do $30.04 times 50000 To build that database, that would only cost you $1,502,000. You ready? Do you, do you want to write me a check on that, Chad? <laughs> yeah, let's, let's listen just to get this. that moving. Yeah, li- yeah, exactly. But listen to this. With our service, we price it like Netflix that you can send out as many emails up to one a day for your 50,000-person database, and our charge for that is $599 a month, $599 a month. And what we've done is instead of you're licensing the database, we own it, you know, just like Netflix. You stop paying your $599 a month, that database goes away, right? This is how it is, right? But – you want that 50,000 database to sell advertising against to be able to email out your monthly edition and your daily stories and whatever else. You can have that for $599 a month. It's transformational. And, oh, by the way, it includes the MagTitan software and it includes all the know-how of building your publishing brand so you don't have to do it. It does cost some money but you compare it to what Google advertising costs and Facebook advertising costs, it's a, it's a fraction. So it's a much better approach, just like Netflix changed the game with Blockbuster. This is a, a better business model approach to building databases. I've got to jump in you know, for a second here because you forgot to uh-oh. mention my favorite thing about this. Go ahead. In your at, in your emails that you're sending out, you guys recommend that the ads actually have an opt-in attached to them. As people actually opt into your list, you guys replace them in the database. So you're always advertising the 50,000 fresh people on top of those that have opted into your own list. I think yeah. that is really, really cool. Yeah, I guess I buried the lead, huh? Because you're right, Gina, because at the end of the day, depending on the application, we have lots of different clients who are going to use this lots of different ways. But what you want to do is you want to take a significant size database. Why do you want a significant size database? Because you'll get uh, proportional results. If you're just talking to 10 people, and you get a 10% response, you got one. If you're talking to 50,000 people and you get a 1% response, you get 500. So, you know, it's a a magnitude of scale. And once we've generated that lead, that opt-in for you, we give them to you and we replace it with a new one. And the same thing goes for opt-outs because as you send out content, you're going to get people who say thanks but no thanks, no problem, but replace the new one so that you're constantly cycling through new, fresh leads to, you know, that'll help our, our clients. So thank you for that, that point. And can you give us an example of a client? You don't have to name names, but, you know, you and I had talked about one of my good friends, Ted Miller third. What's typical by the end of a couple of months of using the service? How many people would have opted into their list from this? Well, um, it varies, right? This is a politician's answer. I used to live in mm-hmm. D.C., so I get to give political answers. Because I have – Ted is one example, and I'll, I'll give you – and he's an outlier, right? So 
Ted is putting out content. He has got um, over, and we've only done, I want to say, maybe three or four weekly emails with Ted so far. He has um, over a 30% open rate on his emails, and he has over, the last I checked about a week ago, he has over 2,600 leads that were generated from out of the 25,000 database. And so it's working, you know, really well, uh, you know, amazingly well for him. I mean, you think about 2,600 leads. Most people, if they get 26 leads, that'll tie them up, uh, you know, for a number of weeks. So that's one example. But we have another client. I'll give you a different example. We have a pharmaceutical uh, consultancy. And they, their average sale is a six-figure sale. And they have to, and they have a year-long sales cycle. And so what they needed to do was they needed to engage with the, uh, the people. If you think about a, a pharmaceutical drug being manufactured, right, there's all sorts of people who are involved in setting up that workflow and the manufacturing and compliance and all that kind of stuff. So they needed to resonate with those kinds of decision makers. So we only have a, a 10,000-person database from them, and the amount of engagement that they get is far lower. But you know what? They're excited about it because they can have high-level conversations where they're seen as an expert, as a thought leader in the industry because of the content that they're putting out. And you know what? If they make one or two sales over the course of a year from this, they're thrilled. So it varies depending on the objective, and then everything we work backwards depending on what the objective is. We figure out what database size do you need, what kind of publishing brand do we create for you, where do we build the website from, do we build it from a Google keyword, or do we take an association Facebook page or a competitor's Twitter account, and you know all those kinds of things go into the overarching strategy of what we build. Very strategic, highly leveraged. Jack, isn't this cool? Very, because let's finish our calculation. All of our OCD people who are listening will really appreciate rounding this out. But we talked about, what was that, $7, $15, something like that for the SEO leads? I mean, not the leads, but for clicks. The click. The click. So SEO, right. So, and again, you, if you go to the search leads button, it's digitaldirectleads.com. You can type in any keyword and it'll show you the Google cost and the search volume as well. One of the other things that we do, sometimes people don't want to use our publishing approach. They want to just buy the contacts. So think about this. We have a, a, a company, let, let's uh, use an example here, a translation company, right? Well, if you're selling translation services, one of the biggest challenges that you have is getting in touch with somebody at the right exact moment where they have needs for your services because most of the time they're not looking for it and many people already have an existing vendor. So when somebody goes into Google and types in translation services, you want to know right then and there who is the person who is um, uh, typing this in and be able to follow them up and we can actually sell it. So we sell these hot, we call them hot leads or hot search leads for half of the price of whatever the Google cost per click is. So back to the example, Jack, right? So in SEO, the average Google cost is $15 and two cents. But if they have a, uh, let's say a 50% opt-in rate where people come to the webpage, um, that means that the cost 
per lead or the cost per opt-in is $30.04. The amount of those leads that you get is really dictated by the budget that you spent with Google. But you want 10 leads, that's going to cost you, you know, $30.40. Oh, no, $300.40, if I did that right. 30 times. Yeah. Right. Well, I was thinking about you're going. So Ted's example, I did a little calculator stuff, and it was twenty three cents a lead. If the twenty six hundred came from your from your monthly package, is that how that works? Well, our, Ted has it's even less than that because Ted is on a twenty five thousand list, which is three ninety nine a month, three hundred and ninety nine dollars. So it's cheaper than twenty three cents. Okay, well, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And that's yeah. So awesome. think about this. Think about this. It even gets better than that because he gets twenty five thousand contacts that he can communicate with. Right, the twenty six hundred that he has. It's actually more than that now. Is people who've read the story opted in and said, "Here's my permission for you to continue to contact me and you know and and communicate with me." So the actual cost per lead of that 25,000 is, is much lower than that. But the actual uh, 2,600 is, uh, you know, whatever you calculated out. Oh man. I know so many people like all my clients and, and everybody that listens to the show that we talk to and all of our former clients who would just die to have listened to that today. And if you're listening to this as a recording, then you should have been here when it was live because you would have been that much further ahead of the game because these are the kinds of, like, not an incremental is the wrong word. This isn't an incremental jump for people who are looking for leads, for everything. So, like, if you're in uh, network marketing and everybody in network marketing is doing exactly the same thing because they're taught from the top down to do exactly the same thing. That's why network marketing is very, very difficult. Nobody tells them to build funnels or create content or exactly. any of that stuff. If somebody right. was in network marketing right now, and I'm, I'm looking at you, all the people I'm talking to, uh, holy crap. If you could approach, if you could do something different than everybody else, and you'll find in your company that the people who are at the top all don't do, tells everybody to do, have you noticed that? It's a rhetorical question. Of course you have. <laughs> this is one of those ways you can be like them and go to the top of your company by doing something radically different than everybody else does because I guarantee you there's hardly anybody out there who's hearing about this, right? Because as soon as somebody does, as soon as it hits critical mass, what's going to happen to the cost of everything as it does with everything, right? Yeah. Everybody starts yeah. fighting for this piece. So it's a really, really opportune time to be listening to you today. Well, and, and, and the reality is this is only – we've been beta testing this for about a year. We only released it um, uh, to the public in May of this year. So it's only been around for, what's that, seven months, something like that. So, uh, and even in that time, we've made a number of changes. So it's very, very new. But you're right. I mean, the reason people are at the top of their industry is because they are doing something different. And um, I think that that's almost uh, the rule, not the exception. Yeah. Yeah, you can see it across different companies. It's not just like one or two companies or it's just true. But that's not to say that it's unique to uh, direct marketing. It's also uh, – or network marketing. It's, it's true everywhere. 
anybody who's doing something different. So, okay, so just a brief recap. Today we got on and we started talking about magazines, although in a digital <laughs> format and a very unique one, not, not PDF. And it has taken us this long to get to I, what I feel like a well-rounded understanding of what you are truly talking about. And I think that this level of education is just flat out required in order for people to get their brains around it. You have to say all the things you did today. You didn't say anything fluffy. You were always to the point, and, and it took this long, and that's where innovation lies, right? Maybe one day in the future, people won't have to understand everything you talked about so far today in order to take advantage of it. But right now, nobody knows about this stuff, <laughs> or very few world, people know Jack. about this stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's not yeah. that nobody spent time in a newsroom as a publisher, but, but people understand common sense. Like, for example, I had a client um, years ago, Office Depot, right? And they had an email list of over 5 million entrepreneurs. But they had bur- – and this wasn't for this particular product. It was, a, it was a separate venture. But they had a problem that they burned their list. They were getting anemic open rates mm. um, to these entrepreneurs. But why, Right. What they were doing was they were sending out every week emails, and I'll oversimplify the message, but essentially it was buy our toner, buy our paper, buy our toner. That's what they were saying, right? You know, it's two for one. This And, and you know what? Mm-hmm. People will tune that message out. If you want people to read, you have to give them something interesting and valuable to read. And when they do read, now you've engaged them and you have an opportunity, one, to put a marketing message in front of them, and two, you have the opportunity for you to become their trusted advisor or what I call a thought leader, right? If you publish an article that teaches somebody something, they'll first, don't try to sell them that. Teach them something. They'll say, oh, my gosh, Jack and Gina, they really understand me. I need to work with them. How can I get in touch with them? And that's the natural flow. So educate first teach them something, and then you're going to be in the best position to be able to sell them later on. But you got to give first. Which is exactly what you did on the show today as well. So I like it when people – But I had an agenda too, right? (laughs) The reason I'm here because I – at the end of the day, I'd like to make sales, right? But I think that if you have a product that really does good for people, then you can win. You can educate and show people not everybody's going to take us up, but hopefully some people will go to our website, again, digitaldirectleads.com, and you look at that and you start to watch some of the videos and you say, oh, my gosh, for a couple hundred dollars, I could have a database of 10,000 people or more. How much would that cost me if I was doing Facebook or Google ads? It, it would cost you an enormous amount of money, but even worse, it would take you an enormous amount of time. Whereas if you say, you know what, let me license a database, it's just like my own. What, you know, think back, Jack, do you own DVDs at home? I think there's some around here somewhere. I hung a right, bunch of them re- as a decoration one time. <laughs> exactly. And, and you know what? And a lot of us were at that place, but most of us got to the point where we realized, you know what? Why do I need to have them here? It's much better to use Netflix and just, you know, or, or subscribe to HBO and I get HBO Go and I get them all on demand, right? That's the mentality. Yeah. You don't need to own a database anymore. It's expensive to build. Instead, license the database, send your emails to it, and get the results without the pain and expense of building it. It's just a better approach. Yeah. 
So, okay, tell me a little bit more about that. I'm on AWeber. Some people are on MailChimp and other places. We've painstakingly built our own lists, and we house them there. We depend on AWeber to keep uh, our IPs clean, and that's where all their rules mm-hmm. about who gets to mail what to who yep. and all that so they can stay clean with all the ISPs. Are yep. you guys in that game? Is that part of the rental of this database? Uh, yeah, so digitaldirectleads.com is, think of us like a combination between an AWeber, MailChimp, like that, as well as being a, imagine AWeber could also give you a very targeted database. That's what we do. And a little bit more because we help you with the publishing model and the content marketing, all that. But that's essentially what we are. We send, we send out the emails on your behalf because you know what? We have the opt-ins. You don't have the opt-ins. If you were to send them, if we were to give you the list, you, would, if, you wouldn't be able to defend yourself from any spam complaints. And so we yeah. send them. Then when somebody opts in, we hand them off to you, and then you have a nurture program inside of AWeber or whatever software somebody's using, follow up once they've held up their hand and said, hey, I'm interested. Okay. Just for perspective, everyone, I have a client who mails around 60 to 80,000 uh, person list several times a month. AWeber charges them 600 Ooh. to seven or $800 a month. To, and we had to build that list. It's our list. We have to do all the maintenance on it and everything else. So if you compare the two things, it's like, wait a minute, you know, and we're on the hook for so much. We have to keep that list clean. We have to pull it down, clean it, get all the spam bots and the spam traps and everything off of yep. it and put it back up because AWeber can't do it all. It's, it's kind of a, a, a fallacy uh, in the industry that, well, we go to AWeber because they keep it. No, it's a partnership. If you have your list there, you have a lot of responsibility too in keeping that totally. IP as clean as possible so you can get the biggest delivery rate. And you have just said that you have something where we're not on the hook for all of that. And, and we don't have to – okay, so here's what it takes out. We don't have to go build the opt-in forms, get the opt-ins, go do content to get the opt-ins, and then serve them more content that you have to build. You really start here at serving them, and that's where you start. You start at the service part, which is the kind of content that everybody does want to develop. If you want to develop any – you want to get to the meat, what, what you are an expert in, and not That's right. become an expert in marketing trying to get people to sign up for a list. So all of that That's is right. gone here in your example. And, you know, if you're going to be moderately successful, you're going to end up with a sixty to 80,000-person list. At some point, you're going to be spending a lot of money on that. And you have all Absolutely. the other responsibilities that go with it. This is kind of neat. Can yeah. you tell because I'm getting a little excited? Yeah, well, I mean, you think you, you hit the, the nail on the head. The hard part, the time-consuming and expensive part is going one by one and building your list. It's, it's, it's just time-consuming and expensive. Because we have over a billion opt-in emails and technology to match from either Google searches or social media groups against that database, we now get uh, psychographically built groups that, you know, for a few hundred dollars, you know, you can send out, listen to this, for $999 a month, you can have a 100,000 person list that you can send an email to every day. Now, there, one other cost I want to be fully disclosed, there's also an acquisition cost, 
that is a one-time cost in building that and setting up all the accounts. But by and large, the biggest expense is the monthly expense. So for, for $1,000 a month, you can send 100,000 people emails every day of the week if you chose. Wow. Now that, uh, I can tell everybody, costs seven to $10,000 elsewhere. I know that because I've just been recently fresh in the market for that. <laughs> for sending. And uh, for that sending. is an actual real-world range. Right, but that's for, right, Jack, but that's for sending. That's not for, buy, for acquiring the database. No, no, no. That's, yeah, absolutely that's just for sending. Good. That's your send that's traffic right. so that you just said we could do? Yep. Yeah. Right, and this gives awesome. you the database too. And, oh, by the way, it also includes us designing and sending, uh, designing the story for you within Mag Titan. So it's multimedia, it's animated, it looks beautiful. And for the hundred thousand package, that's also included. So every week, that'll uh, you'll get a story designed for you. So there's a lot to it. But it, yeah, you you hit it. You're getting it, and there's just a you know a new, better way of of, of marketing that didn't exist before last May. It's just how it is. And we so are out to... of time, guys, but hopefully our <laughs> listeners are going to be running over to MagTitan, M-A-G-T-I-T-A-N.com, as well as DigitalDirectLeadsPlural.com, DigitalDirectLeads.com. Jack, anything else? Just you were right again. You, you said I was going to have fun, and you were right. Thank you, Larry. <laughs> Hey, my pleasure. Listen, you know what? Yeah, one of the things that if anybody wants, they can email me directly or call me. I'm happy to consult with them on this because, you know, there's videos and stuff like that. So if anybody wants to email me, it's Larry, L-A-R-R-Y, at of, O-S-E-L-E-V-E-N, media.com, of11media.com, all spelled out. And just drop me an email, and I'd be happy to consult and talk about their particular situation. And, guys, that's an education in and of itself. Thank you so much, Larry. I am so glad we could do this. Uh, Me too, Gina. Me too, Jack. And we'll be back same time, same place next week. Have a great week, everybody. Tune in next week for another episode of Leverage Masters. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook on our Leverage Blackbook page to keep up with the latest. We'll see you next time on Leverage Masters. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.